power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just lift his name up. Just give him glory. Give him praise. Look for just five things and give him glory for those five things. Before we sit down, just mention them by name. Just give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him glory. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. For this gathering is unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. For your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak, may I not speak of my own accord. May I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit, and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place and the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father through the way. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, how we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Put your hands together as you take your seats. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, let the amen be macho. Hallelujah. Amen. Let the amen be muscular. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. We thank God for this morning. How many of you are ready for the word? So, um, just lift up your right hand, close your eyes. Say, in the name of Jesus. Say in the name of Jesus. Oh, I want you to declare like somebody who is a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God. Say in the name of Jesus. Say I declare that my heart is open. Say I declare that my mind is alert. Say I declare that my spirit is sensitive. Say I declare that today I shall receive the word of God with gladness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord once again. All right, so this morning I want to do a, a quick teaching on a subject I deem very important. Hallelujah. Um, it is a subject that for those of you in the school of ministry, I'm supposed to be teaching at the school of ministry, all right? But I'm doing it here. I mentioned to you that there are some of the topics, I've taught them in church already. So you just have to go and get the tape, all right? Something like um, the subject of judgments. I gave, I think, I think a two-part or three-part teaching on it. So you need to go and get the recording of that one. I won't teach it again, but you'll be examined on it, all right? Something like the doctrine of the church. We are doing the doctrine of sin currently. Something like the doctrine of the church. I taught on the subject of the church, part one, part two, part three, up to part 18. It's a whole book. Somebody tried transcribing a number of my sermons, and on average, when I preach for 45 minutes to one hour, it's 53 pages, like if it was a book. So this one, 53 times 18, <laughs> how many pages of a book <laughs> would, that, would that have been? All right? So go and look for, see Andy and collect all the 18 parts on the church, on the subject of the church. I, I won't teach it again, all right? This one I'm going to teach, it would have been in level two. We are doing level one right now, which is basic Christianity. We'll be doing, and afterwards you have an exam. And then we'll go on to level two. Um, today I'm going to teach 
on the subject of, it's, it's because of something God was showing me. So I decided I'll teach this subject today. So everybody pay attention. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you on the subject of doorways to demonic influence. Doorways to demonic influence. Everybody say doorways to demonic influence. So for the school of ministry, this will be one of the topics under demonology. All right. But I'm teaching it now. So pay attention, keep the whatever, and I'll go back to the subject again. Doorways to demonic influence. We all hate Satan, don't we? Yes. Can I assume that we all hate Satan? <laughs> all right, we hate Satan, we hate demons. You know, there, there, there are a lot of schools of thought when it comes to the oppression of demons, especially in the life of a Christian. There are a lot of um, viewpoints, all right? There are a lot of standpoints. And these have been subjects of theological debate for centuries, for many centuries. And um, today I want you to know that it is possible to be a Christian and still be influenced by demons. Hallelujah. You see, the basic level of influence by demons is sin. If you sin, it is because of the influence of demons. Something came and said something into your mind. Something dropped something into your mind. Somebody or something dropped a certain thought into your mind that later became an action. That became a habit. That became your character. Hallelujah. So we can't run away from the fact that Christians can still be susceptible to demonic influence. Amen. But there are different levels of demonic influence. There are different levels of demonic influence. We have what we call oppression, demonic oppression. Everybody say demonic oppression. We have what we call demonic obsession. Say demonic obsession. And then we have what we call demonic possession. Everybody say demonic possession. So these are three levels of demonic influence. Three levels of demonic influence. What do we mean by demonic oppression? Oppression means, um, maybe somebody should just Google there. Pastor can you Google there? The meaning of, of oppression. Let's take the meaning of oppression from there. Oppression. Prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment, or exercise of authority. Okay. The state of being subject to oppressive treatment. Okay. Mental pressure or distress. All right. Okay. So, so those are the dictionary's definitions for oppression. And people can be under demonic oppression. There are sicknesses that are a result of demonic oppression. There are mental states that are as a result of demonic oppression. All right. And then when we talk about obsession, when we say you're obsessed with something, it's like there's an attachment to the thing such that you can't break free. That is where things like addictions come in. All right? Addictions and perversions and things like that. They fall under the domain of demonic obsession. But when we talk about demonic possession, mind definition, and I'm saying mind definition, of demonic possession is when a demon takes control of your spirit. All right? when a demon takes control of your spirit. The human being is made up of the body, the soul, and the spirit. Mind definition of possession, because the spirit is the real you. When we say possess, it means it owns you, all right? So who owns your spirit is possessing you. If the Holy Spirit is owning your spirit man, when you become a born again, it means, in quotes, the Holy Spirit possesses you. If it is a demonic spirit that has occupied that territory of your spirit, then it means you are possessed by a demon. Hallelujah. So with this definition of demonic possession, I say when the right conditions are created, you can have demonic influence at the level of your body where there will be sicknesses. 
People have been healed by demons being cast out. There are examples in the Bible where Jesus cast out demons for people to be healed, all right? So where the conditions are right, you can have demonic influence at the level of the body or the flesh. You can have demonic influence at the level of the soul, which is the seat of your emotions. In fact, a lot of psychiatric problems can be attributed to demonic um, influence at the level of the soul. Neurotic problems, psychotic problems, and stuff like that. They are demonic oppression at the level of the soul. When it comes to the spirit, I maintain that if you are born again, and the Holy Spirit has already possessed your spirit, because when you become born again, that is where the Holy Spirit goes to live. No demon can occupy that same place with the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, the Christian or the believer cannot be possessed by a demon. Hallelujah. I get in the point I'm making. Because, you see, some people make a blanket statement that Christians, you can't have a demon in your life. No, you can have a demon in your life at the level of the body. There are some sicknesses, if the demon is cast out, you'll be healed instantly. There are certain issues when a demon is taken out of the soul realm, you'll be free instantly. But the spirit man, who is the real you, if you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit, having already possessed your spirit, no evil spirit can enter that space. Hallelujah. All right. So in that sense, per my definition of demonic possession, an evil spirit or a, a believer cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. A believer cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. Hallelujah. So are we clear on that one? Let's read what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It's a very short statement, but it is a continuation of a longer statement that we'll come to later before we start um, looking at the doorways. It says, neither give place to the devil neither give place to the devil another version says don't give room to the devil if you are giving room to somebody you are giving somebody a room in your house it means you open the door first you open the door first before you give the person a room oh come and stay all right and the bible says we must not give room to the devil look the bible says be sober and be vigilant for your adversary the devil walketh about like what a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and this is New Testament it was addressed to believers that means if you are living your life carelessly you are not sober you are not vigilant that roaring lion can catch you and devour you hallelujah I dare say a lot of things believers go through is as a result of carelessness and opening doors for demonic influence but today may every open door be shut in the name of Jesus doors that have been opened consciously doors that have been opened unconsciously doors that have been opened as a result of mistakes we'll pray and shut those doors today in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah so the Bible is saying don't give any room to the devil it is a warning that means you can give room to the devil to enter your life to come into your life and one of the ways of giving the devil on friday at school of ministry when i was teaching on the doctrine of sin too i mentioned the fact that the flesh and sin are the landing grounds for the enemy that's why Jesus said the prince of this world came, but he found nothing in me. There was no landing ground. There was no permit, no landing permit. The flesh and sin are like receptor sites. Every ligand needs a, a receptor. If there is no receptor, that ligand is useless to that tissue. Hallelujah. So if you have the necessary receptors for the devil and the things he does, he will come into your life and influence your life. But I pray that when the devil looks at you, he will find no landing ground, he will find no receptors, he will find no landing permit in your life. We need to learn some of these things because we pray a lot, we do a lot of things, but we negate these things because of carelessness. 
The Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. A foothold. And I've explained to you what a foothold means. It's like somebody is chasing you and you want to enter your house. You manage to enter your house. You open your door and you enter your house. But then the person just puts a foot where the door is supposed to shut. Until you clear that foot from there, you can never close the door fully. And you'll be open to that enemy. And sometimes we invite, we, we have certain footholds in our lives that keep certain doors open constantly and the enemy can come in as and when he wishes. But today may every foothold be removed in the name of Jesus. By the power of the blood we dislodge every foot that is in the way and opening the doors for the enemy to come into our lives. Oh yes, we can open doors for the enemy into our homes into our very lives, into the things, our business, into the very things that are important to us. Even ministry, you can open doors for the enemy to enter when certain things are not done right. So we are going to look at certain doorways, certain doorways. I'll start with some obvious ones and then we'll go into some not so obvious ones. All right. So the first doorway is the doorway of the occult. Everybody say the occult. It's the doorway of the occult. When we use the word occult, we mean something that is hidden. The word occult means something mysterious. In medicine, when something is hidden, we say it is occult. I remember I saw a patient at the hematology clinic some years back. And this patient had anemia and was referred to me. And I did my clacking and my examination and everything. And one of my differentials was occult malignancy. That means a hidden malignancy, a hidden cancer. Because looking at his age and everything, there could be a cancer hidden somewhere, which is causing the anemia. So I wrote occult malignancy. And the man saw it. So when I finished everything, I was giving him the love. He said, Doc, please, I want to ask you a question. And I was like, okay, feel free, ask me the question. He said, Doc, are you suspecting that somebody is doing me juju? <laughs> so I was confused. I was like, ah. Why do you think I'm suspecting? He said, you have written occult. I've seen occult. So in their mind, occultism, you know. <laughs> occult. <laughs> the occult malignancy, that means malignancy that is coming from a fetish priest or a malam or something. So I had to explain to him that the word occult means hidden. All right. So there are certain dark arts. There are certain things. Some of them may not look dark, but they are actually dark in their origin. Hallelujah. You see, there are some things people are practicing currently and they don't know those things are occultic because we think occultic means there should be darkness, there should be blood, there should be sacrifices. Those are other aspects of the occult. Dark, mysterious acts. One such thing which is occultic and people don't know is yoga. It's gradually becoming part of people's lifestyle. They say it's, it's a meditation and this and that and that. That kind of transcendental meditation opens your soul up for demonic influence more than anything. That thing that they teach you to, to blank your mind. Blank your mind, don't think about it. People can do it to the point where they even levitate. It is an open door for demons. If you study yoga very well, some of the moves they make, they are moves that are made in worshipping certain demons. Some of the things. One of them like that. You lie down flat and try and lift your head without lifting your hand. It's a very common move. It is actually a way of paying homage to a certain spirit that is in the form of a snake. So people are engaging in some of these things. People are doing some of these things. They feel, oh, it's just lifestyle modification and this and that. It's making me sharper. It's making me more fit and blah, blah, blah. But they don't know they are doubling in the occult. And some of those kinds of occult are even the, the, the more dangerous because they don't look dangerous. They don't look dangerous. They say blank out your mind when you are meditating. When you blank out your mind, you have opened it up for demonic influence. For demons to put suggestions into your mind. For demons to come into your life. 
horoscopes. I, I hate it when I hear Christians say, I'm a Libra, I'm a Scorpio, I am a this, I am a that, I am a that. Do you know what they are talking about? Do you have an idea what you are talking about? I'm a cancer. That way, you can actually look and say, I'm a cancer. Which one are you, breast cancer or ovarian cancer or uh, leukemia? I am a cancer. And I was listening to some, some talk on relationship, and someone said, if you're a Libra, you have to look for a Virgo and this and blah, blah, blah. Like, like look, look at you people. Ignorance is killing us. These are all occultic things. Look, those of you who have read the horoscope before, eh, you can attest to the fact that sometimes they can be very accurate. Like, scarily accurate. These are dark arts, occultic things. And if you have one on your phone, delete it now. Delete it now. Delete it now. There's nothing you want to know that the Holy Ghost cannot teach you. And you need a horoscope to tell you how your day is going to be, how your week is going to be. If you are consistent in prayer and, and your fellowship with God is strong enough, you can get to a point where you know the day before you've been entitled. You know the day before you've been entitled. You see, we are not exploring these realms of knowing God. God wants friendship with us more than we want with Him. The kind of fellowship and the level of things God wants to show us. You have no idea. You see, today I want you to understand that when it comes to revelation and God teaching us deep things, He is more interested in doing that than we are. He's more interested in doing that with us than we are. Because one of the purposes of God creating man was for the purpose of fellowship. Fellowship means we talk. You talk to me, I talk to you. We relate. That is the kind of relationship the Holy Spirit wants to have with you. So if you will develop yourself and be consistent in the place of fellowshipping with God, you will know things before time. And you don't need a horoscope. Hallelujah. Because sometimes these things can be... I mean, when I was younger then... I think one of the news, whether it was graphic or something, they used to put the horoscope thing in there. And sometimes I read, I'm like, ah, how did these people know these things? And it's accurate, scarily accurate. But these things are doorways. They are doorways. Palm mystery. When you go somewhere and somebody says, I want to read your palm. They are occultic arts. They are dark arts. And you see, when we talk about the occult, and listen to this well, the occult is not only limited to the shrine these days. It has come to church. It has come to church. A lot of sorcerers are now putting on clerical. A lot of fetish priests are now putting on clerical. Now even, I, I don't know, uh, you hear of some, they call it beef on uh, social media. I don't know why it's not pork, but it's beef. When two people are fighting, say they are beefy. And you have a pastor on one side, a fetish priest stroke priestess on one side, and certain pastors will be supporting the fetish priest and this and this and they are talking against us like, what has happened to Christ's church? What has happened to Christ's church? What has happened? The occult is in church more than ever. That is why we must be sober and be vigilant. That is why our sense of discernment must be strong. It's not every oil they say come and buy that giddy giddy. Hey, buy, buy, buy. You go and buy, go and put it in your house. It is a point of contact. A point of contact. It will open your home up to all sorts of demonic influences and you'll be shocked. They say green oil, you go and buy. Red one is for witches. Uh, you, blue one is for riches. This, that, that. And you go and collect all and put it on. Meanwhile, you are not seeing any progress in your life. It's not doing anything. The, the problems you went with are even getting worse. They are getting worse. And Christians must be careful. The occult is in church more than it has ever been at any point in time in history. Sometimes you watch people on TV and the kind of direction they call a that they are giving. They're like, is this guy a fetish priest or what? 
They say bring two chameleon. Where are you going to catch a chameleon from? One pastor said he was struggling in ministry, so he went to see a senior man of God to sort of, you know, lay hands and impart some grace. The person told him, bring two chameleons, bring two cats, bring two this and fabric. And then I said, I'm fine, yeah, dear mom. The occult is in church. It is opening people up to demonic influences. And you see, these people, their aim is to keep you coming back. So they will put the demons in your life. You dream and see things. You continue to chase them. They'll continue to give you direction plus money you must pay. And they'll continue to get richer and richer. But may God deliver you from such falsehood. Some people, unless you don't hear that there's some wild man of God somewhere. No, hey, you're going. Look, even laying on of hands, it's not just anybody you allow to lay hands on you. Do you know the kind of impartations that can take place during the laying on of hands? And even you, the minister, the Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. School of Ministry, when I'm teaching you how to cast out demons, I'll teach you some of these things. There have been times programs, bad manifestations. I'm praying for some people, I jump them. Somebody asked me one, identify why is that you jump people? I said, one day you understand. <laughs> ah. Because you see, at that level, the spiritual antenna is sharp. All you need to do is to take a half glance and you know that, mm, okay, <laughs> we, sh- we, shall, we shall come back later. <laughs> ah. Not everybody, then they are laying hands on you. And this, look, if somebody is going to lay hands on you and you feel a certain indignation in your spirit, take your head away. It is your head. You have the right to decide who lays hands upon you. You have the right. People lay hands on people and impart lust, impart all sorts of things. You go for that meeting afterwards, suddenly you realize your body is doing you all kinds of things and you are thinking about things you never thought about. All because of negative impartation. I pray that we'll be careful and we'll, we'll be discerning. I don't deceive myself to believe that I'm the only man of God you listen to. I, I'm not deceived at all. I'm not deceived. I know you listen to other people and other things. But may God give you the grace to be discerning. Hallelujah. Amen. If you see any man of God who doesn't have a word base, run away. Run away. For me, that's one of the easiest ways of discerning. The person doesn't talk Bible, doesn't quote. There's one man of God, very popular. He has like eight, they say eight radio stations and like four. For two years now, I'm waiting for him to quote one scripture. Meanwhile, when it comes to sit there, Proverbs. I'm not talking Bible Proverbs, though. Even. Let me hear. Nothing. Why were you born in a chief's house? Or oh, your father was a, a linguist. Meanwhile, there are things in the scriptures you can tell people. You won't say any of these things and say all kinds of things. Run away from such people. People who don't base their things on the way. Hallelujah. May the Lord give us the grace to be discerning. So number one, that is the occult. Number two, demonic objects. Demonic objects. You see, the Bible says, touch not the unclean thing. Objects can be points of contact. That is why when we buy things from town and all of those things, we need to be discerning in our spirit. Get into the habit of praying over the things you buy, especially if they are second hand. Hallelujah. Should I say it again? I said, especially when they are second hand used. Mm. Some of the extensions on your hair, you don't know. You don't know who wore them. 
some Korean, some Chinese, some Brazilian, some Peruvian, some Mongolian. You, you don't know. Look, hair is what, Nigerian? Nigerian, now there's Nigerian. Hey, you don't buy that one. Why? Because their hair is like your own. <laughs> it's just like ours, so there's no need buying theirs. Eh? You don't know what kind of life the person was leading. And you see, hair is important too. Especially for a woman. The Bible says a woman's hair is her glory. Something that is your glory, it goes beyond the physical. Let me not go too much into that one. Get into the habit of sanctifying the things you buy. Pray. If it means anointing, anoint it. Take authority before you use. It won't take you two seconds to do that. It won't take you two seconds. Carelessness is causing a lot of people things and they are opening ways and opening doors. Somebody say, are you not being too superstitious? When you look at Jesus in the Bible, you may think he was a very superstitious guy. He was seeing Satan in things that didn't look satanic. Your disciple has come. You say you are going to die. He said, oh no, you won't die. No, he said, right behind me, Satan. That's superstition. But when you are walking in discernment, they can look like superstition sometimes. Hallelujah. It won't take you two seconds. Just pray over it. I sanctify it in the name of Jesus. People have even lost that habit of praying over food. We think it's a child's thing. Children, they close their eyes and, Father, thank you for this. It's a very, very powerful thing. No? You must come to the point where you do it unconsciously. You do it without even thinking. It's like it's automatic. Before the thing enters your mouth, you've prayed already and you are not even aware that you've consciously prayed. That is where you must get to. He said, touch not the unclean thing. In the Bible, Achan brought some articles from the camp of the enemy and it brought a curse onto the whole camp. There are articles that are demonic. There, there are things. There are certain books. Books. There's one they call it what? The, is it the seven books of Moses or something? You've heard about that one? It contains, apparently it contains all kinds of, don't get curious and go and look. The Bible has five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, read those. You've not even read one fully. You're going to look for seven. Seven books of Moses. There are books that teach you how to chant saints and things. Stay away from such things. They will open you up for demonic influence. There's a game they call the Ouija board. I don't know why somebody, people even want to play those things. Because I saw a video of it and this thing is clearly demonic. Invisible hands moving things and that, I mean, what kind of thing is that? And people are buying these things into their home. When you buy it, you've automatically bought a demon to follow you into the house. Books, charms. That is where the funny churches also come in again. Because, you see, anything the devil does is a way of trying to corrupt something God endorses. You see, just like how handkerchiefs and aprons from Paul's body were sent to cast out demons, they can also pervert it and handkerchiefs and aprons can introduce things and sicknesses into your life. The opposite. In the Bible, we see Objects, material things that carry supernatural power. Moses' rod was an example. Jesus' saliva carried supernatural power. Jesus' robe, the garment. That day Jesus didn't lay hands on her. It was his clothes. She just touched it like that and she got healed. So those things are there. And the devil too can corrupt these things. If objects can carry the supernatural power of God, then objects can also carry demonic power. So you see some strange books and you go to buy and you put in your home. Some of those things you don't even need to read. The fact that they are in your home alone is a doorway. That one alone. You have these things they call tarot cards. It's for fortune reading. It's not the normal spa, spa things we play with. No, no, no. Those ones are different. It's for fortune telling. And people buy these things and come to put in their homes. 
presence alone is a doorway. It's a doorway. So get into the habit of praying over things you buy. Get into the habit of taking authority and sanctify. You see, the authority is there. If you declare it sanctified, it is sanctified. If you declare every power over it, that's why people, when they buy cars, they bring it to church and pastors pray over it, anoint it. Because for you know, it was used for some robbery. Mm. You're going to use it for some robbery. Look, material things, look, the, the, that's why it's, it's good to pay tithe. Because it's a way of sanctifying your money. If you don't know, I'm telling you. And this is, is New Testament too. They say a little dough corrupts the whole, when you sanctify a little, you sanctify the whole thing. Paying tight is a way of sanctifying your money and sanctifying your finances. You dedicate a portion of it to God and it sanctifies the whole thing. Because the money that is in your pocket right now, eh, for all you know, two weeks ago, somebody paid a prostitute with it. Somebody probably even gave it to a murderer to go and murder somebody. But it's in your pocket right now. May the Lord sanctify your money in Jesus' name. Number three, and this one, listen to it very well. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness. A serious door. We don't regard it. There's a reason why the Bible tells us not to be angry for too long. And you're saying it with pride. And people take pride in this. We think it's normal. This scripture that I read to you, the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Let's start from verse 25 and see. I'll show you where it is coming from. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with their neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And the important thing here is that there is a colon after. Meaning what is coming after is linked to this one. And what is the next verse? It's talking about the fact that don't let the sun go down upon your anger. It says neither give place to the devil. That means being angry, prolonged anger. Being angry beyond sunset. It means you are giving room to the devil. You are giving a place to the devil. If you can get angry to the point of losing self-control, losing control over your tongue. And the Bible tells us that the man who doesn't have self-control is like a city without walls. A city without walls, defenseless, open, broken defenses. You are an easy target of the enemy. You may not be dabbling in the occult. You may not be doing funny things. But that bitterness and that anger alone is breaking the walls and giving the enemy access into your life. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Do you know sometimes eh, there are things that can cause God to stay his hand and leave the devil to do whatever he wants to do? Romans chapter 8, the Bible says what? He gave them up to depraved minds. That's when they became homosexual. God just gave them up and the demons just ravaged them and spoiled their minds. There are things we do that just causes God, okay, let me just, and let me show you something. Matthew chapter 18. Give me the verse 34. Give me King James for that one. Matthew chapter 18. 18 verse 34. So Jesus gave a lot of parables in the Bible. And most of the time when he talked about a master, he was referring to himself or God. Hallelujah. And those parables give us an idea of his nature, how he handles things, or his opinion about certain things. Now this is somebody, I don't want to read the whole thing. Somebody who wronged his master and was forgiven, but somebody else wronged him and he refused to forgive the person. And look at what the Bible is saying. He says, and his Lord was rough. You, you did something very serious and I just let the thing go. Somebody else and you, you decided not to let go. That means you decided not to forgive. 
He said, and his Lord was wroth. Wroth means he was angry. And I said most of the time when they talk about master, is, is God. They are referring to God. And his Lord was wroth. And look at this one. Delivered him to the tormentors. Demons are tormentors. There are times as a result of unforgiveness, God will just stay his hand. You, you, you the sins you've committed, the things you've done, that nobody knows about. That you walk around with a saintly face. And it's between you, God, and the devil. It's a three-man secret. But you have the effrontery to judge others and to hold others in unforgiveness. Meanwhile, you, upon all these things, God forgave you and he continues to forgive you on a daily basis. The blood continues to speak. It's called blood abuse. <laughs> Some people, it's like they have fetched the blood of Jesus into a bucket and they are put into their room. They go and misbehave and come and take some. <laughs> ah, I'm cleansed by the blood. <laughs> Those are the people who compose the, the prayer of forgiveness even before they sin. They know what they'll pray. You get to a point when they finish, they say, Lord, you know already. Unim dada. Wara unim dada. Down no earth. Down no earth. Blood abuse. Meanwhile, you can't forgive others. You can't forgive your father. You can't forgive your mother. You can't forgive that person who did that thing. Look, people do things to people that, that are hateful. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, rape, defilement. But it is in your own interest to let it go. Hallelujah. Because you too, God has forgiven you. And this Lord was angry and he delivered him to the tormentors. Delivered him. This is what unforgiveness can do in our lives. Most of the time we don't talk about some of these things. Because we see them as small. But they are bigger than what people say. Unforgiveness. People holding grudges against people for things they did to them 10 years ago. Hey, the tormentors will come. The tormentors will come. And God will not stay his hand. God will not stay his hand. Look into your heart. Whoever you have not forgiven, release that person today. Because it's in your own interest. I've told you before that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It's like setting yourself on fire expecting somebody else to burn. That is what you do to yourself by holding bitterness and unforgiveness. Let me show you something to show you that bitterness is, is, is poison. Give me New King James for that. Acts chapter 8, verses 22 to 23. Acts chapter 8, 22 to 23. I'll be closing soon. Maybe I'll continue. <laughs> it said, repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. And then the verse 23, which is the one I'm interested in. He says, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Poisoned by bitterness. Bitterness is poison. It poisons you. When you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it also talks about the fact that you are defiled by bitterness. Defiled. He said, many are defiled by this. Many are defiled. He said, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of what? Bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Many are defiled because of bitterness. Marriages are defiled not only by adultery, but by bitterness. People holding grudges against each other. It defiles the marriage. It defiles the relationship. The marriage is not only defiled when a man goes after another woman or the woman goes after another man. When you are bitter and you are not forgiving, you have defiled your marriage. May the Lord reign the spirit of forgiveness over us. May we learn to let things go. May we learn to let things go. We have opened our homes too much to the devil. We have opened our lives too much to Satan. And he's having a field day. And it's because of these little doorways that we have opened up to him. But today, may God give us the grace to shut those doors. May God give us the grace to lock those doors. May God give us the grace to get a padlock and shut those doors forever. 
shut those doors forever. This one I have to continue another time. But I want us to pray a certain prayer. I promise I'll continue this one. I have about nine or so. I've done only three. I want us to stand to our feet. We want to pray a certain prayer. We want to pray a certain We are going to shut some doors today. And I want you to take this prayer personal. There's no organ or anything or any drums to motivate you to pray. The only motivation is your need for that door to be closed. There are a lot of things that are going on in our lives and it is because you have opened doors to the enemy. Bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. We have given a foothold to the enemy. But today we want to pray that Lord cleanse me of every bit of bitterness. Let the Holy Spirit neutralize the effect of bitterness, the effect of unforgiveness. Maybe you have even engaged in the occult without knowing. By going for some oil somewhere, by, by allowing yourself or somebody to lay hands on you, whose source you are not sure of. You want to pray today, taking that authority that Jesus has given to you. Neutralize the effect of the occult in your life in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Some of you tonight, you have dreams. And God will show you certain things in your house that you must throw away. Certain things you must set on fire. In the book of Acts, we are told that people who had books, in Acts chapter 19, verse 19, people who had books, they had occultic objects. Acts chapter 19, verse 19. He said, and also many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Today, in the name of Jesus, may the spirit of revelation open your eyes. May the spirit of revelation open your eyes. May the Lord direct you in your sleep, in the place of prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The things that need to be gotten rid of, the things that must be thrown away, the things that must be sanctified. When you go back home, sanctify your clothes, sanctify your hair, sanctify your cream, sanctify your home, declare your home and no fly zone for demons in the name of Jesus and declare that every doorway to your home is shut. Every doorway to demons in your home is closed. Every doorway to demons in your life is closed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. The days of oppression must be over. The days of bitterness. It doesn't matter what the person did to you. Forgive the person and let the person go. Because you are harboring poison. You are harboring poison. You are harboring bitterness. It will kill you and you will die and leave that person still alive. Let it go. Let it go. Bitterness against your spouse. Bitterness against your parents. Bitterness against a sibling. Bitterness against a friend. People who did things to you that hurt you. As long as you continue to harbor the anger, you are like a city without walls. Your walls are broken. Your defenses are broken. Your defenses are down. And the enemy has easy access to your life. But today in prayer, may you erect the walls again. May you erect the walls again. May you erect the walls again. May you build the walls again. In the name of Jesus. Oh, whatever traumatic experience you've had that has opened doors today in the name of Jesus. Let there be healing. Let there be healing. Let there be healing. Traumatic experiences can open doors. Sometimes it's even accidents that people have. Sometimes it's even armed robbery attacks. These traumatic things can open doors to the enemy. Today in the name of Jesus, we shut those doors. We close those doors. Sometimes even losing a relative can end up being a door. The grief can be a door. But today we shut it in the name of Jesus. We close it in the name of Jesus. We shut those doors in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. We shut them. We close them. We shut them. We seal them. We padlock them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. Let it be cemented deep down in our spirits. Today, Father, I take authority in my position as a shepherd of this house. Any doorways your children have opened through ignorance into the world of the occult by superior authority, we neutralize the effects thereof in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Where wrong hands have been laid upon them, whatever effects it is having in their lives, I command it to be neutralized now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Objects that they have entertained, material things that they have entertained, Today we dispatch angels into their homes. Amen. We dispatch ministering spirits into their homes. Amen. Let them touch these things and sanctify them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Today we command doors of unforgiveness and bitterness to be shut in marriages, to be shut in relationships. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Our walls have been down for too long. And today in the name of Jesus we erect those walls again. Thicker than they were before. Amen. Higher than they were before. Amen. And by this we give the enemy no place in our lives. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Father, release the fire of the Spirit into our homes. Yes, the purifying power of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yes, to enter every crack, every corner, every crevice in our home. Amen. We release the blood of Jesus. The blood that delivers, the blood that sanctifies. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Into every corner of our homes, into our wardrobes, into our rooms, into our compounds. We mark our gates, our doors, the entry points of our homes with the blood of Jesus. And we declare a no-fly zone for demons, for witches, for wizards, for principalities and powers over our loved ones and the things that are dear to us. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of the blood. And today we declare every declaration established in the spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed.